Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Wednesday morning, fellas, what a difference a year makes. Through a dozen games last year, the Ravens were on fire. They were on 10-2. and two. They had won eight in a row. That streak would get to a dozen. They were running away with the AFC North. Last night, they were lucky to run away from the hapless Dallas Cowboys. They double them up. They're right back in it. At least they feel. Lucky. They've had 300 yards running from them dudes. (laughs) Come on, man. The Cowboys, they should be tripling them up the way the Cowboys are playing this year. We should mention that Baltimore has now won its first game in over a month. They snap a three-game losing streak. They're 7-5, and five, still on the outside, looking in. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by yeah. Progressive Insurance. So we had all those games Sunday, two games Monday, a game Tuesday. Today we get the respite, and then tomorrow we're back for Thursday Night Football. The Ravens appear to be back as well. Again, not last year, not Lamar, not the unanimous MVP. Back on track, easy schedule the rest of the way. Is it possible they win out? That's a you know ten win. You know, is it possible they can sneak in? Well, first of all, let's back up a minute. I don't think it's an easy schedule. It's not a overly complicated schedule, right? I mean, when you think about two games that they could potentially lose, would be the Browns and the Giants. I I got them going three and one. One of those two, they're going to lose, in my opinion. Whether it's the Browns or whether it's the Giants. Browns, Jags, Giants, Bengals. Those are the four. Browns, Jags, Giants, Bengals in that order. Because the Giants are playing for something as well, and they've seemed to have gotten better as time has gone on, especially the second half of the season, they can be a problem for them. And then Cleveland, the same sort of situation. Cleveland remembers week two. They're playing much better now. Um, they're not going to feel – I mean, they're at home. It doesn't really mean nothing. It's not – 80,000 screaming fans. but Short week, least, it's a Monday night game. At least it's at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but Baltimore did what they're supposed to do last night. After a long layoff, like you said, finally getting this game in. Uh, Lamar Jackson coming off of the COVID situation along with Ingram and Dobbins and some of the other guys that are on the team. So when you look at what they were able to do in the rush attack last night, amounting uh, uh, for almost 300 yards, I mean, that, that, that says a lot about what the offensive line – and the preparation has been doing that off time for the coaching staff to be able to do some stuff. But let's not just concentrate on running the football. Lamar Jackson did have a couple great throws in that game, one mm. in particular in the corner when Hollywood he was flushed Brown. to the left, Hollywood Brown. But the catch was even more impressive to me, being able to get your foot down inside the, the right foot. Was it, let me see, bam, bam, yeah, his left foot down uh, and drag it when it looked like he was going to be out the back of the end zone. So Lamar is doing what Lamar does, and, and I think you have to respect that. He didn't throw for 700 yards. He was 12 or 17 for 170 yards. He did have a, an interception that was, you know, a little bit tip ball, but yeah, it, that's what you get. And I, you get the W. I was overly impressed with Lamar Jackson last night. I was always wondering, you know, you, I heard Adam Schefter talk about this yesterday. How will his conditioning be? How will his rhythm be? How will his timing be? And everything looked good. I I think this is an opportunity for Lamar to redeem himself. He hasn't been having a bad season, but he is not having the MVP season he had before. So I think over these next four games, I would agree with the key. I think we see a different Lamar. Obviously, this game is predicated on running the ball uh, against the worst uh, rush defense last night in the NFL, in the Dallas Cowboys. That's where you take your medicine, against the Dallas Cowboys. And these are the type of games that give you the confidence going going into the Browns game 
Uh, I'll be curious to see who Vegas favors in this game, but I give Baltimore a legitimate chance to win this game. And I think I think they barely sneak in due to how Lamar plays. Yeah, and, and you look at Lamar's statistics from last year to this year, slightly down a little bit. Completion percentage is at about 64%. Last year, 66 To me, that's the same thing. And who is he throwing the ball to, Key? I mean, Hollywood Brown made a couple catches last night. I know, night, but not but the same big targets no, that we talk about I'd like other to see. Have. I'd like to see him – with a, you know, a guy like an alpha dog. Hollywood Brown could be there, but I'd like to see him with a Julio Jones, a Michael Thomas, a DeAndre Hopkins. Give him one of those type of guys. Find a Justin Jefferson in the draft. Mm. Give him a playmaking receiver. Go get him a DK Metcalf somewhere. And But historically, though, the Ravens have always, to a degree, struggled to find just big-time wide receivers and alpha dogs. It's just, I guess that's just what they do in terms of what they've been able to do defensively, running the ball, and they haven't put a major emphasis on finding that receiver in the draft or in free agency, Z. We should also mention a couple of things, just reality striking the Ravens with Lamar saying after the game, by the way, I still can't taste or smell. <laughs> he actually said that after the game. I can't taste, I can't smell. Obviously, that is something that people that have the coronavirus have been dealing with. Guys like Rudy Gobert, who obviously started this whole cavalcade in the sports world, they had that situation Stop. for months. I was going to ask you. What? I, no, I was going to ask you if, if, if you can't taste or smell, because I don't follow it like that. If uh-huh. you can't taste or smell, what does that mean? Is it? Is it just the 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 uh, back end of the virus, or is it just it, we don't know when it's going to come back, or how does that work? I mean, they typically do come back. I mean, it's taken a while, but those are just the symptoms of COVID-19. Doesn't mean that it's still in your system. It just means that the smell and the taste, it takes a while. To I mean, I, I would I would like to hope that he's playing on the field, that it's no longer in his system. That's, I guess um, that's what I'm asking you. I'm like, well, if the symptoms are no taste and no smell – Huh. But speak, speaking of a system, though, it was in Des Bryant's system, and he was on the field warming up with everybody, which was interesting to see how that whole debacle played out. Yeah, I I got it. I When I saw it, I was like, somebody in the National Football League office or whoever does the, the, the testing or whatever the case is and making the decisions to play a guy or not play a guy, they dropped the ball. Let's get into that for a second. Essentially, about a half hour before the game, Des Bryant, now a member of the Baltimore Ravens, who, of course, had a storied career with the Dallas Cowboys, signed to the Ravens practice squad, became active, has played sparingly, tested positive, tweeting right after the test that he was done for the season, then backtracking that and essentially saying after... Emotional, though. Yeah, very emotional. Frustrated, emotional. In the moment, former team, trying to rehab himself. Lamar Jackson, his teammate... His reaction when he found out about Dez testing positive 30 minutes before kickoff. We found out when we was on the field, you know, um, warming up. And we only had like four receivers out there. You know, we was looking around for him. Then he told us, it was like, we just going to have to put a game for him. You know, we got to win that game for him because we know how much it meant to him. You know, he's been talking about it uh, for a minute now since he's been here. So that's just, it's, I don't know, I don't like, like you know, what happened. But it, it is what it is. We got the victory for him. Um, I'm feeling for him, though, because I know he's, you know, he did the game he wanted to be in. Yeah, I, I feel bad for him, too, because um, it's certainly two, two and a half years he's been looking forward to this. Right. A year ago, New Orleans Saints tears his Achilles. They sign him. Then he sits out, uh, you know, waiting for the right opportunity. Baltimore needed a receiver. Much like you said, Z, they got him off the practice squad, put him on the practice squad, 
and then got him off the practice squad, signed him to the 53-man. He had an opportunity to play against the Cowboys. I'm sure he didn't sleep over the last several nights because of this, just the anxiety and, and the excitement to be able to go and play against his former team that cut him when he felt that he still had something to offer to the Dallas Cowboys. Then you tapped on the shoulder and told you can't play because you are positive for COVID 30 minutes before game, you would be frustrated and, you know, tweet out or whatever he did in terms of venting that frustration, Jay. And Key, the reason why you said that the NFL dropped the ball is that, you know, due to NFL protocol, when you have two inconclusive tests, they treat you as if you're positive. Now, they learned that morning that his second test was inconclusive. So that's where the NFL dropped the ball. Why was he allowed on the field? Why was he allowed to be around the team if he had two inconclusive tests? That's the big question that people are asking last night and this morning. There's no doubt about it. Right now, the Ravens sit at 7-5. and five. They're ninth overall in the AFC. Remember this year, seven teams will make the playoffs in each conference. Short week for the Ravens. They'll play the Browns on ESPN's Monday Night Football. Remember... Week one, opening week of the season, Ravens 38, Browns 6. And everybody said, same old Browns, same old Ravens. Hang on a second. Next Monday night when they meet, the tables could be turned from week one. Just a reminder, be a part of the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. We're asking today of these three NFC quarterbacks, who's most likely to win their second Super Bowl this season? Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, hit us up. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. And so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper yeah. today. You can call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, or hit us up at KeyJNZ. Just tweet us one word, Rogers, Breeze, or Wilson. On the way, Ohio State needs that elusive sixth game to get to the Big Ten title game. Wait till you see what Michigan's athletic director thinks about that. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No lack of opinions on that huge news that a game that's been played every single year since 1918 is off. The big one between Ohio State and Michigan. You heard Heather Dinich there talking to Ryan Day back off COVID himself. Heather's going to join us in about 24 minutes from now. And Paul Feinbaum essentially saying, look, this rule isn't 200 years old. It was created back in October so we can be as flexible 
as we want. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, straight to Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel. So you would think after Michigan pulled out of the game, their rivalry with Ohio State, they would just say, hey, everybody's on their own. You got to do what you got to do, especially when it comes to your rival. However, this is what Ward said about the possibility of trying to get Ohio State into the Big Ten title game, their arch rival. Quote, Ward Manuel. So I would be open, and I think the conference would be open, to having a discussion about whether or not we will make adjustments, whether or not schedules will be adjusted to get Ohio State to play enough games with six or play in the championship with five. Fellas, it's instructive to note that Barry Alvarez, the Wisconsin Athletic Director, former member of the playoff committee, essentially said the same thing. We've got to try to find a way to get them in. That word will mean something. Alvarez also said the ADs meet on a weekly basis. This is important. The ADs will make that decision on six, not the school presidents. The school presidents make the really big decisions like, are we going to play? They make the really big calls. But Alvarez said this will be an AD decision on what to do with the Buckeyes. Again, key, Heather at 6.40 a.m. Eastern. Jay, it's all about the Benjamins, right? Always comes back to one thing. The bottom line is? All all I'm saying, (laughs) all I'm saying is that they need a team to represent the conference in the college football playoffs. So you need at least six to qualify for the Big Ten title game. Correct. But not six to qualify for the national championship. Or the playoff. Or fa- or playoff better yet, the playoffs, Final Four. Correct. But okay. the scenario would be that if they say for some reason something hypothetically in 2020, which a lot of hypotheticals have happened, True. say they don't play the Big Ten championship game. Uh-huh. Say that they don't, they don't qualify or that they don't – Say they do qualify for something happens COVID purposes, then say if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, you could have a scenario where Ohio State will get pushed out. And so here, here's and I've been this way from day one, and y'all know this. Based on the number of games that you've played, I don't. I feel like if they can't get to six or seven games, they shouldn't be allowed to play in the national, the Final Four. That they shouldn't be allowed to play in the, the Final Four. I just – it's cheating the other teams. Other teams – and I understand COVID and they had to cancel it. I get all that. But they didn't play enough games. You didn't play enough games. You played five games. I played nine. I played ten. You played five. How could you possibly look at five games and say that they're the top, a top four team in college football – when it's only been five games. And out of the five games, the only team that, from my eyes, told me that was competitive was maybe Indiana. I just, it's hard for me to sign off on that. I understand the Big Ten wants to be representative. It's nothing, for those that are listening, has nothing to do with the Pac-12. So please, I just feel it in my vibes. That's where <laughs> yeah, people were going. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. Although SC will have the same amount of games probably stop, played stop, as Ohio State. Stop, that's stop, what, stay on course. I am on course. You're messing me up. But if you think about it, though, Z, five games versus Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M, blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, come on. you, you They deserve that spot. But now you're faulting them because of their conference, the strength of conference. No, I'm, uh, it's not. It's that's not. What, that's what's happening essentially. Hey, the games you can only play the games in front of you. So now they weren't allowed to play the games. So now they're going to have to suffer the consequences. Would of you? Not- okay, so let me ask you this: while well, I cut you off real quick, would you let them in if they only play four games? No, if they didn't. I mean, they have to play. That, you, I, yeah, I would. But it, it's. 
I, I think when I the eye test, we go back to the subjectivity of this. The eye test tells me that they're one of the top teams in the country. It tells me that. If if I had six or seven games or something like that, then I could de- definitively say that. But when I'm watching only five games and out of the five games, you're playing, you're beating up on Michigan States and Penn States that are very bad. You know, it's just like, I, I, it's hard for me in Nebraska. It's just hard for me to say that you are truly one of the top four teams based on that. Here's where it gets inter- interesting for me, Key. Yesterday I had to host um, a student-athlete POV conference for the Sports Business Journal, and I got a chance to listen to Kevin Warren afterwards. And he was saying the one thing that we have to maintain during these volatile times is to stay malleable, is to stay malleable down the stretch. Now, it becomes interesting because it could ca- it ca- lead to an opportunity for the Big Ten to be a little bit hypocritical. They didn't allow Nebraska to play out of non-conference games, right? But will they allow that opportunity to a school like Ohio State, right? Considering how are we going to get Ohio State to play enough games to be in the right position to make the CFP? If that's, hey, could Ohio State play Texas A&M? Could that be a matchup that we could see? Or maybe it could be another matchup against Indiana in conference, considering what's happening with Indiana and Purdue, both of them shutting down the facilities, if Indiana is able to go. Okay, they didn't let Nebraska out of conference, but that was at a different time. Understand, right? but still, so now, what it looks like overall. We, but now, as we continue to move the goalposts, because the goalposts are going to continue to keep moving, I would be okay to let them play out of conference. Now, when we first started this whole uh, run on this thing several months ago, it, we were trying to figure out everything as a conference, so there was no reason for Nebraska, which wasn't a good football team at all and what didn't have a chance to be in the playoffs, play a game outside of conference. While we were trying to figure everything out, you want to go off on your own and do your own thing. So we're going to put the kibosh on that. Now we're going to open it up because we do have a opportunity for a team within our conference to play in the championship game as well as in the college football playoffs. And if they go play a Texas A&M or whoever that's available, of course you go and let them play. No, just the perception I think will have people – up in up in a fury Doesn't about matter. it. This but is I, I hear the I was team in our division. I would love to see conference. Ohio State play Texas A&M. Okay, fine. It, let's see where you stack up. If you're saying that the best team that they played is Indiana, and you don't think Indiana is that good, even though they're ranked no, top they're twenty good, at the time, but they're not. Like I, I hear that. that. All right, so then go play Texas A&M and prove that you belong in the college football playoffs. I'm all for that. 100. percent I would love to see that game. That or come be, out west and play USC. Stop. No, stay on course. That would be a dream scenario. The last thing I would mention is the ACC and the SEC. The ACC and the SEC played more games because they determined they were going to start their season on September 12th. Part of the reason the Ohio State Buckeyes are in this spot is because the Big Ten decided, the Big Ten decided we're starting our games yep. October 23rd. Which I'm okay with. Because they weren't mandated. Help, the, the government the, didn't do And it. that's why the they Big did. Ten's going to try to make up for that fault right there, Zubin. And they should. I agree. If they can, they they should. If they can, they should. But as it stands right now, got a break. But as it stands right now, with only five and no more, I can't sign off on that. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. A reminder, the college football playoff semifinals, Ohio State or not, will take place on New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl and at the Sugar Bowl. January 11th, the championship game in Miami. All of those games can be heard on ESPN Radio. On the way, Key says the Keystone State will never be known as Wensylvania Again, 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. As I'm sure most Chicago Bears fans know, the one team Mitch Trubisky had dominated in his young career had been the Detroit Lions. And lo and behold, no Matt Patricia. And they go from blowing all those leads under Patricia to rallying under Daryl Bevel in his first game as interim coach. The words for Chicago, I don't know. Superlatives are one thing. What's the polar opposite? That's probably the best way to describe the Bears. For more, let's go to Chicago. Check in with David Kaplan. Cap, my guy! Host of Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN Chicago. Jay's guy from his time there with the Bulls. He joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Brought to you by Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. And, of course, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Cap, there has been so much talk, I'm sure, on your show and elsewhere about what has happened this year with the quarterback situation, the back and forth between Trubisky and Foles. I just want to cut to the chase. What's going to happen a year from now at this position? Well, I can't believe that Nick Foles won't be in Chicago as a backup. You restructured the deal to get him $8 million a year per year for three years. Uh, I mean, he's the ultimate backup. He's just not very good as a starter. And then when you add in a really bad offensive line, bad play calling, inability to run the football, unwillingness, when the run's working, to stick with the run. I mean, all of it. I think Nick Foles will be here as a backup. I just think they're going to have to clean out the GM, the head coach, and then make a decision on what they're going to do, who's their starting quarterback next year. For me, I don't believe they're going to be that good next year. So I'd rather see them start to finally address the offensive line with their top pick. Well, you sort of answered the question for me uh, by saying that they need to clean out the general manager and the head coach. So I'm going to move on from that. And let's assume that the the head coach is no longer. Is Chuck Magano the guy on the sidelines waiting in the wings considering that no, the defense? No. No? No chance. Um, they have to get a fresh start. And See, you, got, you played in the league when – you do a coaching search, you go, we have to hire an offensive coach. No, you actually don't. Hire the right head coach. And they, the way they do things up here is so backwards that when they hired Matt Nagy, got to be an offensive coach. Well, last I looked, John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the league. He was a special teams coach. The one time we won a Super Bowl, Mike Ditka came here from being a special teams coach. The best coach in the history of the world is Bill Belichick. Last I checked, he was a defensive coordinator. Bring the right guy here who can run whatever it is you want to run, put the right people around him, and draft and develop players. But 
the last time we really, really rebuilt and won, Jim Finks was the guy they stole from Minnesota, and he drafted Ted Albrecht and Dennis Lick and Jim Covert and Dan Hampton. He said, I'm building the lines before I get the quarterback. And then six years later, they finally stumbled into Jim McMahon, and they won. They have not put enough into their O-line. They got no one to blame but themselves. Well, why not, why not, Chuck Pagano? You didn't elaborate on that. You said no. Uh, the defense has regressed, and I just think they – look, this is a massive fan base. They are really, really ticked off, and I think they're going to need a fresh start, somebody who isn't connected with the Bears. I'm sure Chuck's a wonderful guy, but I just don't see any scenario where he would be the guy. I think they're going to launch a search. And I think they need to go get a president of football operations and then bring in a really good GM. Like, Lewis Riddick should be part of that management. Mm. Cap, it's Jay Will. What's up, brother? How are you? What's up, my guy? Doing good, man. Hey, where where the heck is Ryan Pace? Is he missing in action? I haven't heard anything from Ryan Pace in a long time. So, for whatever reason, I could text when he was still with us. He just left. But I could text Theo Epstein in the middle of an eight-game losing streak Hey, man, we need you on tomorrow. Our team's really struggling. No problem. What time? Do the same thing with Rick Hahn with the White Sox. We just had our tourists on from the Bulls. We had Stan Bowman on from the Blackhawks. And for whatever reason, and I have a good relationship with Ryan Pace, for whatever reason, he will not talk unless it's on the team-sponsored coaches show with the voice of the team. He will not answer the hard questions. I don't understand it, but that's the way he does it. Last thing for you, David Kaplan joining us from Chicago, the co-host of Cap and Hood. Dick Allen died yesterday. I think for many fans that are too young, they may not even know who that is. They may not recognize that name, but he was a rookie of the year. He was an MVP, played primarily his career with the Phillies and, of course, the White Sox cap team, the latter that you know really well. Um, How should he be remembered, especially in his days on the south side? Well, he was the White Sox weren't very good back in 1972. Dick Allen was this wild child. Like, think of Dennis Rodman, how wild he was. Well, Dick Allen was you know, right there. He would show up. I remember the late Ron Sano, who I worked with, telling me that guy swung a 40 ounce bat. He'd be out all hours of the night. He'd show up for a 105 first pitch at Old Comiskey Park at 10 to 1. Just pull his <laughs> uniform on take a drag on a cigarette, something out of a paper bag, a little drink, and let's go play. And he said, one game, we have a doubleheader. He gets there late. Chuck Tanner, the manager, says, you're not playing the first game. So Dick's sitting in the dugout eating a hot dog. He's got mustard all over the front of his uniform. Bases are loaded, ninth inning, hasn't stretched, nothing. Hey, can you hit? Sure. First pitch, grand slam. See you later. (laughs) What a story. I, hey, look, Cap, that's a walk-off story. I, there's no other way I can ask you to elaborate on that. It's great to get your insight, your perspective, all things Chicago. Thanks for that story, and thanks for the memories there of Dick Allen. I'm sure we'll talk soon. You guys have a great day. I love the show.
Thanks. Thank you, All right, Cap. Thanks, brother. He is the authority in Chicago, man. He has been doing the Cubs pre and post man. for 25 years. He's kind of moved on from that, but he knows that city inside and out. I got to tell you, every time I was on that show, he asked me the hard questions. That's why I asked him, where's Ryan Pace? Because I know Cap doesn't shy away from that at all. I want to mention one thing about Dick Allen that a lot of people may not realize. And look, I'm 42, never saw the guy play. I was born in 1978. But I've heard about him and all the things that he's been able to do throughout the course of his career. Now, think about this from Dick Allen's perspective. As I mentioned, Rookie of the Year MVP. He's not in Cooperstown. There's a lot of people that believe he should be in Cooperstown. And this is where sometimes life takes a really tough turn. On Sunday, December 6th, just a couple of days ago, the Golden Age Veterans Committee was supposed to get together to discuss possibly who would be on the ballot for Cooperstown. And the reason these guys get together is because even if you're 50, 55 years old, you might have trouble remembering Dick Allen. That's an older voter, somebody that's 50 or 55. So they bring these veterans that have been, you know, in baseball for decades in their 60s or 70s. They bring them together and say, you really need to consider this guy. I know you never saw him play. This is the impact he had on the game. Well, guess what? Because of everything happening in 2020 with the pandemic, we didn't have that meeting of the Golden Age Veterans Committee on Sunday. Had they had that meeting, he almost certainly would have had his name on the ballot and he wouldn't have lived to see him get into Cooperstown, but he would have lived to see him possibly be considered by the one group that could put him in. So sometimes life puts you in difficult circumstances, but they'll be back with the Golden Age Committee in 2021 and maybe just maybe Dick Allen will be posthumously inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Hopefully that will happen. Seemed like an unbelievable and fun personality from what David Kaplan said. Let's go from A to Z. And from A to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Redbox has new movies at the box and streaming on demand. Hey! Here comes the audio, courtesy uh. of Jay Will. Don't miss uh. Fat Man, starring Mel Gibson. Visit redbox.com for all the ways to watch. LeBron had a press conference yesterday. When LeBron speaks, the world listens. He had a lot of stuff to say, talking about his health, talking about his contract, talking about what lies ahead for the Lakers. But the thing that everyone really took away is something LeBron has reiterated a couple times before, and he doubled down again yesterday. Best thing about it is that uh, the year I'll be a free agent will be the same year my, my oldest son graduates high school. Um, so I'll have some options to see for me personally what I want to do forward, being you know, around my family, being around my son more, or continue to play this game that I love you know, with great health and, and um, you know, just you know, great spirit. So we'll see. Well, LeBron is a dad, and if you're a dad driving around or on Zoom listening to us today, trust that your son, if you have one, knows who Bronny James is. That is for sure. Uh, Jay, does LeBron have enough gas in the tank to get there and make this father-son a reality? Yes. Yes. The, the reality is that if Bronny continues to progress, if he gets drafted, say hypothetically he gets drafted in the second round or late first round, you will have teams that will be vying to draft Bronny James due to the fact that his father could end his career in that city mm. that Bronny James plays. Mm. That is a reality, and it's a reality that I know LeBron, if he takes care of business, look, everybody thinks they're going to get one this year. They should at least get two with the talent they have on this team. Two more, you're saying? Two more championships. If he's able to get that, you will see LeBron James play with his son somewhere else or his son come to L.A. and be a Laker. Yeah, it's only three years from now. It's not like we're talking about six years from now. It's three years from now. So That would be 20 years now then in the NBA for LeBron. He would be 39. Point. Right, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not doubting LeBron's longevity. I'm just 20 years is a long time to play in the NBA. Yeah, but even if, even if LeBron was giving you 18, 6-3, I mean, you stick around because what, like Jay Will is saying, 
you can go. I honestly think it would be the Lakers. It wouldn't be another team because I don't think LeBron wants to move beyond the Lakers in his career. The Lakers would probably, the drafting, bring him in, whatever the case may be. But I think he'll be with his son at least one year. And we should mention 18-6-3 is like a career year for most guys in the NBA. That would be LeBron, like, sputtering at the end to 18-6-3. I mean, it just goes to You get 18-6-3, you get about $50 million a year now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Those are good numbers. I'll take that right now. Speaking of $50 million a year, uh, James Harden turned that down, of course, as you know, from the Houston Rockets. So this is putting the new head coach, and this guy's worked his whole life to become a head coach, Steven Silas, in a little bit of a pickle. Uh, he did say Harden's absence. A little absence. bit. Yeah, right? I mean, hey, Congratulations. Walking right into this. Uh, he did say Harden's absence from training camp was a quote-unquote setback, and he would like him here, but he's obviously got to be pretty ginger here, gingerly talk with the words here. Let's just hear from Silas before the fellows weigh in on what Harden's absence from training camp means. As far as timetable, there is no timetable as far as I know, and it is a setback. You know, you want your best player to be here. There is a short window, as you've alluded to. As I said yesterday, we're working as if this is the 6th to the 23rd. So there is some time, but it is a setback. Yeah, I have to be honest and and understand that this is a setback, not having one of the best players in the NBA here. Really? What what, what have I always said, though? (laughs) I said, said, man, the dude don't want to be there. He's not going to come. I don't care what anybody says. It's just... Athletes, when they put their foot down, that's what it is. Now you got to make a decision on what you want to do. Hey, guess make what? A decision. When, when when things went down with the Lakers before they made any decisions, who do you think was consulted? LeBron James by Jenny Buss, Rob Palenka, right? When things went down with the Nets, who do you think they consulted? They Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Joe Sy. I mean, the owners they talk. Sean Marks. When things went down in Houston, Tim Fertitta, nobody consulted Russell Westbrook and James Harden. That's why James Harden was with Little Baby this weekend, giving him a hundred cash, hundred thousand dollars in cash, a two hundred thousand dollar Rashard meal watch. Okay, pictures of him out. He posted a picture of himself out at a party in Vegas, no mask. going against NBA no protocol, saying, "Yo, I'm out," no and didn't show up to training camp on Sunday. If that doesn't tell you what's on James Harden's mind, I don't know what else will. No mask at the party. My invitation to the little baby party must have got lost in the middle. No, little you were at the bar. I know your line that you say to people at the bar. You know little what baby, I'm Little baby, you got to make this up for me next year. This <laughs> is a travesty. Little <laughs> baby is a hip-hop artist, so people trying to figure out they're not calling James Harden a little baby. <laughs> it's a rapper. That's just want to clear that up, right? One more make piece. Make that clear. <laughs> and yeah. please mask up. James Harden, please mask up. Last thing I would say, this is important to note. James Harden um, is under team control for the next two years. As Kia said, if I want out, I want out, and the team is going to move me. You don't want that sort of attitude at No, you camp don't. And, and but I just wanted to mention, he is technically under team control I, for a couple of years. I get it. Yes, I am under team control, but there's a, a, a asset that I have that's no good to me because right. he's in Vegas. Right. We're in Texas practicing and he's in Vegas. And by the way, Key, the Stop. more he does this, the more that the Rockets lose leverage yes. in getting value back for James Harden. And even if James Harden comes in, let's say he comes in next week, people, you know, players, it's just, it, it, it's not right. He's doing what he needs to do to get out of there. Yeah, he's a diminishing asset for the Rockets, not for anybody else. He's exactly. 31 years old, and he wants Just out. move him. 76ers on line one. Get, get what you can Brooklyn and Nets move him. It didn't work two. out. You got a lot out of him. He doesn't want to be there. Why put the coach through this? Yes, Raphael Stone needs to pick up the phone, one of those lines. Just saying, ben, I mean, that's the first thing I said, Ben Simmons and James Harden. <sighs> Trade. Assets. That? We Daryl Morey. 
leaves right leaves Houston to go to Philly, brings James with him to Philly if he's able to get it done. I wow. mean, James flourished the most under Daryl Morey. Brooklyn's so right there too. Makes sense, and we saw a big player for player swap last week. Doesn't mean we can't see another one here coming pretty soon. Those are all superstars. This team is devoid of any. That's our guy, Marcus Spears. Pretty strong thoughts. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Sport Clips. Remember being at Sport Clips, waiting for that great MVP haircut experience. How about making that wait time even shorter? Now with on-deck text alerts, get a 15-minute heads up when it's time to head in. Another text alert when you're next in line. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Uh, Just a few minutes ago, we had David Kaplan, our expert on from Chicago, from our great station there, ESPN 1000. And Key asked him, hey, How about going with Chuck Pagano, currently the Bears defensive coordinator, if and when they do fire Matt Nagy? And one of the things that David Kaplan simply said was, can't go to Pagano, great guy, good coach, can't go to him because Chicago needs a fresh start, they don't need a retread. And in some ways, Key, you're sort of saying the same for the Jets, if and when it's a fait accompli that they're going to fire Adam Gase, obviously, at some point the day after firing Greg Williams. We'll wait to see when that official day comes. But you also think there's a lot of experienced coaches out there, a lot of coaches that could reign in this organization that need so much help. But you're saying the retread option is the incorrect option. Well, it okay, so retreads to me are guys that failed – Failed, and then you still hiring them. A third, Those, a third they, crack. Yeah, like a third crack at it, or a first crack that miserably failed. Like and Bill then O'Brien, you still giving him, you still giving him a Pat Sherman, you still giving him another opportunity. Right. Like Bill O'Brien. Uh, no, that's not no. no, because Bill O'Brien was mildly successful with the uh, Penn State, mildly successful for, with Houston. He allowed the two-headed thing to get in his way, general okay. manager, head coach. So I wouldn't necessarily call him a retread. Like Retreads are like a, like a Dick Jerron. That's a, like, right. come on, You're like Buffalo, Chicago. Like, no, no, no. A guy that stands out to me, and I said this before in, in months ago, uh, a, a guy that's standing on the sidelines that's not a retread because he was a, once, a one-stop guy would be a Bill Cowher. Mm-hmm. He successful. He won big in Pittsburgh. He won a Super Bowl. He's been out of the game 15 years, I think. I think that's the number. It's a long time, man. It sounds like a long time, right? But I can point to guys like Dick Vermeil. You know, he last stop was the Philadelphia Eagles, and then he went to the Rams and won, then went to Kansas City and tried to turn that around. Or you look at John Gruden. He was out the game 10, 11 years. You know, there, so there are coaches that have done this, and I don't think Bill Cowher is so far removed from society and reality that he's a dinosaur. Hmm. We're not dealing with a coach that just he can't figure it out. Hey, why does that guy have an earring in? What are all these <laughs> tattoos? He's not, you know, no, I'm saying he's not so far removed from that. He's still around. You know, he between his home in North Carolina and his residence in the New York State, He's still he, – he sees it all. He's not oblivious to what's going on. And I think for the Jets, somebody like that would be a home run because you could sell that to the fan base. You could sell Super Bowl winning coach. Bill Parcells, you could sell those sort of things. I remember when we got Bill, we were – I got drafted. They were 2-14. and 14. They selected me as an number one guy. The next year – uh, that year we went one and fifteen. Bill comes from the New England Patriots with the first pick overall to play with. He could draft Peyton Manning. I was already on the team. Some people think that he passed Peyton Manning up to draft me. No, I was already there. 
So let's get that corrected. And then when you look at the opportunity to draft Peyton Manning, he decided he didn't want Peyton. He wanted to do some other things with the pick. We went from 2-14, and 1-15, 9-7 to an AFC championship game. Wow. So when you start to look at that, that pedigree with those skins on the wall means something. Yes, we can go for the young, hot, uh, Eric Bieniemy types. There's no question about it and do well with that. But I think, though, just from what the organization probably needs is somebody like that. If you are going to take Trevor Lawrence, do you want a coach that's been out of the game that long? I'm not saying that he can't do it, and he's more of a defensive-minded coach, or do you want somebody that comes in and offensively works hand-in-hand with your quarterback to change the dynamic of the system? One thing I can say, Jay, great coaches know who to hire. It's all about your assistants. They're the CEO, you're right. Right? I don't need – just because I'm a defensive-minded coach – doesn't mean that I can't get Jay Will to run my offense and put the offensive plays together, and I can peek my head in here and there. The problem with a lot of coaches is they get hired and they try to do too much. They don't know how to delegate. delegate. You got to be able to hire the right people. If I'm if I'm Joe Douglas, the general manager, I'm going to help you put your staff together. I'm going to help you do that. Now I'm not just going to let you come in and start hiring all your homeboys. No, we're going. We're going to have some conversations about some of the real innovative guys and the bright minds in the sport to make sure that we build a competent staff that understands the culture that we're trying to create. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, all of our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. For those not familiar with Cowher, the younger listeners, he's 63 years old, hasn't coached in the NFL since 2006. On the way, who will coach the Jets next? The guys weighed in. Our insider weighs in now. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.